Wordplay, Theater for the Ear and the Imagination, presents The Wise Rabbi, a series of Jewish folktales which illustrate the wisdom of the traditional rabbi and his place of respect in the Jewish community. Kate Joseph is the narrator. Danny Kaplan portrays the rabbi. Michael Patrick Joseph and Michael Paul Joseph play all of the other roles. Father Matthew Powell dramatized the story and directed the production. All wordplay productions are made possible by a generous grant from the Professor Frank Hanley Fund. The city was seething with excitement. The Jews of the city were falsely accused by their enemies of having murdered a Christian child. So the rabbi was brought before the Grand Inquisitor to stand trial as head of the Jewish community. Now, the Grand Inquisitor hated the rabbi, but despite all his efforts to prove that the crime had been committed by the Jews, the clever rabbi succeeded in disproving the charge. Seeing that he had been bested in argument, the Inquisitor turned his eyes piously to heaven and said, We will leave the matter to the judgment of God. Let there be a drawing of lots. I shall deposit two pieces of paper in a box. On one, I shall write the word guilty. On the other, I will write not guilty. If the Jew draws the one with guilty written on it, it will be a sign from heaven that the Jews are guilty and will have him burned at the stake. If he draws the second, which says not guilty, it will be divine proof of the Jews' innocence. So we'll let him go. Now, the Grand Inquisitor was a cunning and wicked fellow. He was anxious to burn the rabbi, and since he knew that no one would ever find out about it, he decided to write the word guilty on both pieces of paper. The rabbis suspected he was going to do something like this. Therefore, when he put his hand into the box and drew forth a piece of paper, he quickly put it into his mouth and swallowed it. What is the meaning of this, Jew? How do you expect us to know which paper you drew now that you've swallowed it? The rabbi answered. Very simple. You have only to look at the paper in the box. So they took out the other piece of paper still in the box, which said, Guilty. There. This paper says, Guilty. Therefore, the one I swallowed must have said, Not guilty. The Inquisitor was furious, but he had to let the rabbi go free. When the time came for naming their firstborn son, a husband and wife began to argue with each other. She wanted to name him after her father... He wanted to name him after his father. Unable to agree, they went to the rabbi to referee the dispute. What was your father's name? The rabbi asked the wife. Nahum. And what was your father's name? The rabbi asked the husband. Also Nahum. The rabbi was puzzled indeed. Then what is this whole argument about? You see, rabbi... My father was a scholar and a God-fearing man, but my wife's father was a horse thief. How can I name my son after such a man? 
The rabbi pondered and pondered. It was indeed a ticklish matter. He didn't wish to hurt the feelings of the husband or the wife. So he said, My decision is that you name your son Nahum and leave the rest to time. If he becomes a scholar, then you will know that he was named after his father's father. If, on the other hand, he becomes a horse thief, it will be clear that he was named after his mother's father. And the couple left, pleased with the rabbi's decision. Two pious scholars lived in neighboring houses. Now, one scholar bought himself a rooster so that his crowing at dawn might wake him for the study of the Torah. So the rooster crowed and its owner arose for his sacred labors. Also, the other scholar heard the rooster crow and he too got up to study at daybreak. Then the owner of the rooster said to his neighbor, Since you share in the benefits of the rooster's crowing, it would only be fair that you also share in its upkeep. Did I ask you to buy the rooster? No, but I see that you profit from it. Does it cost you anything more if its crowing wakes me, too? Since you won't pay, let's go to the rabbi. Agreed. So they went to the rabbi. The rabbi pondered this matter long and gravely. It's a difficult case. A very difficult case. Hmm. Hmm. Now, the rabbi did not wish to take sides and thereby create more of a problem between the two men. So he said, Each of you will take a ruble out of his pocket. The two scholars were taken aback. Nevertheless, the two scholars each took a ruble from his pocket and held it in his hand. Hear my judgment then. You, the owner of the rooster, say it crows only for you. Your neighbor, on the other hand, says that since he isn't deaf, he too can't help hearing the rooster crow. I can also hear the rooster crow from my house. So I say, it neither crows for you nor for him, but it crows for me, so that you two blockheads can each pay me a ruble each for the upkeep of the rooster. The two scholars paid walked away angry, but satisfied with the rabbi's decision. Once, after he had listened to his counselor speaking evil against the Jews, the king was very much perplexed in his own mind. Finally, he said, There is a wise rabbi among the Jews. Bring him to me. So they brought the rabbi before the king. The king asked him, Which faith is superior, yours or ours? When the rabbi heard the king's question, he was thrown into confusion and said to himself, Be wary, for the enemies of Israel have laid a trap for you in order to do harm. If I tell the king that the precepts of his religion are superior to mine, I shall have denied the God of my fathers and shall therefore deserve all the punishments of Gehenna. On the other hand, should I tell him that the precepts of my religion excel his, he may have me burned at the stake. So the rabbi answered, If it please the king, let me ponder his question carefully for three days. 
for it requires much reflection. At the end of the third day, I will come to you with my answer. Let it be as you say. And for three days that followed, the spirit of the rabbi was rent within him. He prayed for divine guidance. But when the time arrived for him to see the king, he put all fear aside and went to the palace with his answer. When the rabbi came before the king, the rabbi looked downcast. Why are you so sad, rabbi? Oh, king, I am sad with good reason. For without any cause whatsoever, I was humiliated today. I will let you be the judge in this matter, O king. Speak. A month ago to this day, a neighbor of mine, the foremost jeweler in the land, went on a distant journey. Before he departed, in order to preserve the peace between his two bickering sons while he was away, he gave each of them a gift of a costly jewel. But only today, the two brothers came to me and said, Our rabbi, give us the value of these gems and judge which is the superior of the two. I replied, Your father himself is a great artist and the greatest expert on precious gems. Why don't you ask him? Surely he will give you a better judgment than I. When the sons heard this, they became enraged. They abused and beat me. Judge, O king, whether my grievance is just. Those rogues have mistreated you without cause. They deserve to be punished for this outrage. O king, may your ears hear the words that your own mouth has spoken, for they are true and just. Know that such two brothers as you and I each received for his own happiness a priceless gem. You have asked me, O king, which of the two gems is superior. How can I give you a proper answer? Send a messenger to the only possible expert of these gems, our Father in heaven. Let him tell you which is the better. Then the king turned to his counselor and said, Consider the wisdom of this Jew. Since he has spoken justly, then justice shall be done to him. He deserves not rebuke and harm, but respect and honor. You, counselor, however, deserve to be punished, for you have spoken nothing but evil slanders against the Jews. A Jewish farmer, who had for a landlord a Jew-hating nobleman, was in great despair. His landlord treated him with savage cruelty, Whenever he couldn't make his annual payments, he even beat him. At his wit's end, he decided to ride to town to see the rabbi and get his counsel. Advise me, rabbi. Save my life. I no longer know what to do. That wicked landlord is fast driving me into my grave. I can see only one solution to my trouble, and one only. That by your powerful prayers and wonder-working powers, you bring about his death. What? That's kill a man? That's a terrible thing to do, my son. Besides, you just can't go and kill a man as easily as all that. After all, aren't Jews called sons of the compassionate? Even your landlord is a human being just like you and me. He? A human being? He's a torturer, Rabbi. A wild beast. He'd as soon kill me as take a pinch of snuff. The Rabbi was a wise man indeed. He retired into his private study to hold communion with God. 
when he emerged, he said to the farmer, Go home. Your landlord will die. But under his breath, the rabbi said, And so will we all. Rejoicing greatly over this miraculous piece of news, the farmer started for home. But on the way, he was suddenly filled with misgiving. Was it wise of me to ask the rabbi to bring about the death of my landlord? What will I have gained by it? When his son and heir, who was in Warsaw now, hears of his father's death, he will hurry home to take over the estate. In that case, it will be worse for me, for he is even more wicked than his father. Then it will surely be the end of me. So he turned his cart around and, whipping his horse, returned to the rabbi. Rabbi, I shouldn't have asked you to make the landlord die. I've done wrong, a terrible wrong. If the landlord is wicked, his son is like the angel of death. Now I'm sorry for the whole business. The rabbi threw up his hands in mock exasperation. What do you want me to do now? Resurrect him? Believe me, it's a very difficult thing to do. But I'll see what I can do. The wise rabbi, suppressing a smile, again went into his private study to commune with God. When he came out, he said cheerfully to the farmer, You may go home now. Your landlord is alive. Murmuring a prayer of thanksgiving, the farmer climbed into his cart and drove home. When he got there, it was his delight to see his landlord walking about hale and hearty and real as life, just as if nothing at all had happened to him. The farmer praised the rabbi as a wonder worker. I witnessed a miracle with my own eyes. My landlord is alive. A young scholar, naive and innocent in the ways of earthly matters, was stunned one morning when his wife gave birth. Immediately, he ran to the rabbi. Rabbi, an extraordinary thing has happened. Please explain it to me. My wife has just given birth, although we have been married only three months. How can this be? Everybody tells me it takes nine months for a baby to be born. The rabbi, a world-renowned sage, put on his silver-rimmed spectacles and furrowed his brow reflectively. The rabbi could not lie to the young scholar. On the other hand, he did not want to bring about the collapse of a young couple's marriage. Finally, he said, My son, I see you haven't the slightest idea about such matters, nor can you make the simplest calculation. Let me ask you, how long have you been married to your wife? Three months. And how long has your wife been married to you? Three months. And how long have the two of you together been married? Three months. What's the total, then? Three months plus three months plus three months. Nine months! Oh, thank you, Rabbi. And the young scholar ran home, happy to be a new father. A poor man named Mordecai was at the end of his rope. He did not know where to turn. Finally, he thought, I will go to see the rabbi. People say he is the wisest man in the whole country. Surely he will be able to give me sound advice. And truly, the rabbi was a wise man. People came to him from far and wide with their problems. Rabbi, I don't know where to turn. What seems to be the problem, my good man? My life is miserable. 
My farm is only a few rocky, barren acres. I work like a dog from morning to night, but still I am so poor that I can hardly make ends meet. I must support myself, my wife, our six children, and my old parents. We live in such a tiny house that we are always in each other's way. My family is driving me crazy. And to make matters worse, every night my wife makes the same thing for dinner. Cabbage, potatoes, and black bread. I can't stand the sight of cabbage, potatoes, and black bread. I'd sooner die than continue living this way. Mm -hmm. Please, Rabbi, share with me some of your great wisdom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, tell me, do you have any animals on your farm? I have only one cow, one goat, and a few chickens. It's not much of a farm. They will do. Now, my son, you must promise to do just as I say. Anything, Rabbi. Anything. I promise. Go home and bring all of those animals into the house. Mordecai was dumbfounded. He thought the rabbi had lost his mind. But rabbi, the house is hardly large enough for my family. You must trust me, my son. Please do as I say and come back to see me in a week. And may God bless you. Mordecai went home and, despite the protests of his startled family, did as the rabbi said. In a week, the frantic man went back to see the rabbi. How is everything, Mordecai? Rabbi, I don't know what you could have been thinking. My family thinks I'm a lunatic. I did as you said, and my little home has become a madhouse. We can hardly turn around without bumping into the animals. The cow and the goat knock over the furniture. The chickens jump up on the table and step in the cabbage and potatoes. The animals fight with each other. And rabbi... The worst is the stench. As you can imagine, the animals, well, relieve themselves on the floor. We spend half the day cleaning up after them, and still the house is filthy. It's like living in a barn. My life is a perfect hell. I understand, my son. Now, go home and take the cow out of the house. Come back to see me in a week, and may God bless you. Thank you, Rabbi. So Mordecai went home and put the cow in the barn. Where she belongs. In a week, Mordecai returned to the rabbi. Now, how are things in your house, my son? Well, of course, things are a little better than they were. Since the cow is so large, we now have more room in the house, and the stink isn't quite so bad. But the goat still knocks things over and makes a mess, and we still have to chase the chickens off the table during dinner. Now I think it is time for you to take the goat and the chickens out of the house also. Let me see you again in a week, and may God bless you. Mordecai ran home and put the goat and chicken in the barn, and he and his wife scrubbed the house from top to bottom. In a week, he was back to see the rabbi. So, Mordecai, how is everything? Oh, rabbi, wonderful, wonderful. The house is spotless and has a pleasant, fresh smell. Everything is peaceful and quiet, and we have so much more room to stretch out in. I sing while I work, knowing that I have such a lovely house to return to. And last night, my wife made the most delicious dinner. Cabbage, potatoes, and black bread. Served on a clean table. A meal fit for a king. I couldn't be happier. 
You see, my good man, count your blessings. Things could always be worse.